Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 3 of the Infinite Capacity Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Morton, here to give you world-class life coaching tips, tools, and strategies that are especially helpful for moms in midlife, and also to share the fascinating stories of incredible, inspiring women just like you who are doing the work to find their purpose and fulfill their potential. Now, let's get started with this week's episode. Hi, everybody. How are you doing this week? Welcome again to season three of the Infinite Capacity Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Morton, and it's so great to be back here with you. And I'd love to give you a little update about what's going on over in my neck of the woods right now before I chat with you about a topic that I know resonates with so many women in midlife, and that's having a healthy relationship with failure. Well, first, let's talk about what's happening at my house, because there is a whole lot of energy at our house right now focused mainly on our teenagers. Our eldest son is currently in the process of applying to college, and that experience has turned out to be so different than what it was like 30 years ago when my husband and I were applying to college. It's a totally different ballgame now. For example, when I applied to UCLA in the year 1992, they received about 30,000 applications for students who were going to start up in fall of 93. Well, last year, UCLA received, I'm not joking, 149,779 applications. So assuming that they're still accepting around the same number of students each year, it has literally become about five times as hard to get into UCLA for high school seniors today as it was back in my day. And what this means is that there's a lot more work for young people to do to get ready for this big process. And there's a lot more time and energy devoted to the college conversation at home in our house and also in the houses of a lot of our friends who also have seniors. Certainly way more conversation about college than was happening in my house when I was a senior. It's a pretty huge task that my son has just embarked on, and I have been so impressed with his dedication and discipline with this process because honestly, it's sure not easy. Meanwhile, our younger son, who's 15 and a sophomore, is still fully devoted to his competitive soccer team, and we just learned that his team will be going to Spain in the year 2023 next year for a big tournament. And because our son has big dreams and he plays at a really high level, I do spend a lot of my time driving him to soccer games and practices around Southern California and Arizona and Nevada. And this will be an amazing opportunity to take him to Spain, but it's also a huge time commitment. And I'm generally the parent that takes him to all of his stuff. So I do a lot of mindset management around all the time I put into driving. And I know that in a way, I'm really going to miss the driving in less than a year when he finally gets his driver's license. So that's happening. And we're pretty excited about it. And lastly, our daughter is working incredibly hard in the eighth grade. She's an artist and a very dedicated student and volunteer, and she's so creative and kind. She's rapidly becoming a super talented musician. 
and she also puts way more pressure on herself than I wish that she would. She wants the things that she works on to turn out perfectly. So she spends a lot of time working on every teeny tiny detail. And sometimes I see that her desire to do everything right or perfectly actually makes her feel exhausted and she doesn't get enough sleep. I worry that my daughter carries a little bit too much about perfection. So today, while we were driving to school, I talked with her about how overrated perfection is and what a gift failure can be which is actually a lesson that applies to us moms in midlife as well. And that's what I want to talk with you about today. Because you see, in order to have a healthy relationship with success in life, we also need to have a healthy relationship with failure. What does failure mean to you? Well, my daughter asked me today what failure means to me, and I told her, That when I was younger, I defined failure as something that didn't turn out the way that I had envisioned or that I had hoped it would, even when I really tried. I went on, though, to explain that I've learned the hard way over the last three decades or so that a lot of time failure actually means failing to take action at all and failing to put yourself out there to do hard things because you're worried about how you might feel if they don't work out. My own relationship with failure has often been filled with shame and fear, fear of taking risks because I didn't want to look foolish or feel humiliated or ashamed. And I've often held myself back from attempting to do things that I really wanted to do or experience because I was worried about what would happen if it didn't work out. There are so many things that I have wanted to do over my almost 50 years of life that I never really attempted. Like what? My daughter wanted to know. And it was really easy for me to come up with examples for her, from trips that I never took, to relationships that I never pursued, to degrees that I never earned. It's a long, long list. Here's one. I'm almost 47 now, and I still have never written and published my own book, even though I've helped lots and lots of students do that same exact thing when I was a middle school teacher. Because I know that I am not as good of a writer as I would like to be. But then I get really upset with myself when I buy books at the bookstore or on Amazon and I read them and I think, well, I could have written this. Or maybe I could even have improved it a tiny bit to make it a little more interesting or a little more gripping. And then rather than letting that thought motivate me to get out there and start writing, It actually makes me feel ashamed for never having put myself out there. So I use that thought against myself. I've also never learned how to play the guitar, even though I have wanted to do so since I was in my early 20s. So it's been over 25 years now that I have wanted to play the guitar, and yet I've never gone for it. I have access to a guitar. In fact, there's one sitting on my desk staring at me at this very moment. So what is the thing that keeps me from working on guitar patiently day in and day out? Well, I believe that it is still this massive underlying fear of failure. I believe that somewhere deep down, I'm still worried about failing in front of other people. Despite this podcast with its nearly 40 episodes, and despite the fact that I'm consistently getting more and more clients and more and more views and followers on Instagram, and despite the fact that I'm working to build two companies where I'm often the face of the brand, 
I'm still always terrified of doing poorly at something that means a lot to me. So instead, I've spent years doing what's known in the coaching field as failing in advance. Instead of putting in that time and practicing and putting myself out there to play the guitar, I've surrounded myself with friends and even lovers who are musicians, and I enjoyed their musicality, their risk-taking, their success. I've basked in their glow. My husband, for example, is a wonderful musician, and yes, when he plays, I totally glow. Now, we do this too as mothers. It's funny how having kids suddenly gives some of us the permission that maybe we were subconsciously looking for to step back and stop focusing on our own lives and our own risk-taking and potential failures so that we can focus instead upon raising great children. I have been both a stay-at-home mom, a working mom, and a work-from-home mom over the last 17 years. During this time, my children have always been by far the most important priority for me, the rock or the anchor upon which I base nearly every decision that I make. When my husband asks, do you want to go on this trip? Or do you want to see this band or go to that movie? Or really do anything at all? My first thought for 17 years has been, huh, well, what are the kids going to be doing? Who will watch them? Or how will this decision affect our kids? which doesn't mean that we don't do those things. We often do, but I always think about them first. Being a dedicated mom who also wants to have a career of her own has been a balancing act for sure. I'll bet there are a lot of working moms and stay-at-home moms who can relate to how challenging it can be to make time and space for your own passions or your own work when you have a lot of humans in your life and your home who are depending on you to meet their basic needs. Because even when you're tired or sick or you have a huge deadline looming, somebody still needs to drive the kids to school and pick them up and make sure that they have healthy food to eat and hopefully give them lots of love and support. I am always thinking about my three kids in some way. And honestly, it is so much easier for me to fight for opportunities and happiness and health and joy for each of them than it is for me to think about those same things for myself. As I mentioned, the whole basking in their glow thing is real for moms. This week, I have been elbow deep, for example, in a huge organizing project where I am sorting through 17 years of saved treasures and mementos to make one big box for each of my three kids. So these three boxes that I'm working on contain all of the most important memories and, you know, artwork from their childhood. I've been saving stuff for them since they were babies. This is the first time I have ever weeded through all of the stuff I've been saving and separated it out into three different units. The process of organizing their stuff has been so much fun, mostly because it's brought back to mind countless pieces of their cute little drawings their photographs, tiny gifts they made for us throughout the years, their schoolwork, and even things like the letters they put under their pillows for the tooth fairy or their notes to Santa. I have loved seeing their evolution. The evolution of their unique lives takes shape inside of these boxes. And I've also been working on putting together another box, a fourth box, which is just for me. Mementos of the last 17 years that are not actually theirs, but which truly belong to me which reflect the life I've been living and the work I've put into the world during this time, and also include things like cards that they wrote to me on Mother's Day. Well, it turns out that my box of special treasures is a lot less full than theirs. 
And my life seems to have been so busy with each of them that when you take away the creativity and the energy and the fun and the excitement that they add to the mix, my own life as a woman in midlife, apart from my family, has a whole lot less to show for it than what I would ever have imagined that it would have. One of the things I discovered this week to put inside of my own memento box was my college application essay, which I wrote in the fall of 1992. And I shared it last night at dinner with our family. And my eldest son in particular found it very interesting because he's currently working on writing his own personal statement for the colleges. For me, the experience of reading this essay out loud to my family all about what my own goals and dreams were at the age of 17, was really fun, but it was also a little bit disheartening. I had planned to have a career in international relations and law with a life that was full of music on the side. I really wanted to help people and change the world to make it a better and kinder place, and I'm still working toward that latter goal, but I never actually pursued the first one after I ended up changing majors when I was 18, after I had actually gotten to college. So Reading this to my family, I could see that at age 17, I felt so much more powerful and capable and willing to step outside of my comfort zone than I have for most of the rest of my adult life. Last night, I was musing about that to my husband after dinner and saying to him, I really believe that I have so much left in me to create, and I just hope that there are enough years to do it all. And he replied, well, you've created and nurtured three amazing humans. To which I said, thank you. But honestly, I want to do more than that. And I think that it's fair to be open and honest about that. I don't think there's any shame in it. I want to do more than have created and nurtured three amazing humans. Even though being a mom and a wife will always be the most important roles to me, I don't want those to be the only things that I contribute or create during my life, if possible. So it would be easy to say that my memento box and my treasure box is less full than theirs right now because I've been busy pouring all my time and my energy into each of them and driving to soccer, but that actually is a little bit too simplistic. It's a little too easy of an excuse because it doesn't really convey the full truth. It was easy for me to pour all my love and time and energy into those beautiful kids so that I never had to answer the question of who I wanted to be when I grew up. And it was easy for me to lavish them with all of my time and attention so that I never had to experience the pain of trying new things and risking failure. I didn't have to put myself out there into the world to risk getting rejected. Like, maybe, honestly, I could have written a novel. And let's be real, maybe nobody would have bought it or read it. Or worse, maybe they would have bought it and read it and they would have absolutely hated it and then talked quietly behind my back with pity about my attempts to write. So I just worked harder on inventing the perfect recipe for dinner instead of writing my book. Even though I did write a lot, I did write a lot, but I never actually published anything. Or maybe I could have taught myself to play the guitar by watching YouTube, and my family would probably have laughed at me, and my husband might have laughed gently, because he knows I probably don't have any real talent at it, and then I would probably likely become the butt of family dinner table jokes by my teenagers. One time, for an anniversary when we were younger, I actually did write and record a song for my husband, which I thought was a pretty romantic gesture, 
And he listened to it one time, and then he never listened to it again. So I figured it must have been a pretty bad song or poorly executed, and I felt really embarrassed, and I didn't want to do that again. I didn't want to put myself out there and fail like that. So I just didn't try anymore. Has this ever happened to you? Have you ever stopped yourself from trying to do something because of how you thought you'd feel if it went wrong? If I'm being totally honest with you today about my own relationship with failure, it's because I think that you will totally understand what I'm saying. And also, I think you will totally get that this struggle that I too face is actually one of the things that makes me a really effective life coach. You don't have to be perfect at something to be able to teach it or coach it well. The truth is my own mistakes, failures, and suffering come in handy all the time when I'm coaching women who are like me. I hold space with compassion for my clients because I do actually understand and have so much connection to their struggles. I think my own failures and heartaches and challenges actually make me a much more present coach than I would be if I had some magic algorithm figured out that helped me to live a perfect life with a perfect family. But I'm not a perfect woman or wife or mother by any stretch of the imagination. My failing makes me real, and by being real, I can connect with other women to their fears and their hardships and their real life. I don't mind confiding in you today that I am still grappling with my own relationship to failure, and I'm still working on it every single day. Today, I worked on it by being honest with my teenage daughter about things that I wish I hadn't given up on when I was younger. I told her about how shame and the fear of failure had stood in the way of me going after some of my biggest dreams— and that it's still a mountain I'm trying to climb. I'm hoping that by telling my daughter about this, it will help her to learn from my own mistakes and insecurities. I wish that I had understood at her age that failure is not an enemy. We don't need to hide from it. We don't need to build ourselves a quiet life focused on other people that's insulated from all failure. It would be amazing and epic if we midlife moms could band together and form a failure club where the goal isn't to create tons of success, but rather to put ourselves out there in a vulnerable way so that we can have lots and lots of funny and tragic and humiliating and inspiring fails and support each other all along our shared journey. Failure is actually our friend if we let it be. Failures can lead us to our greatest self-understanding. They can help us be more compassionate to ourselves. Failing can help us build grit and resilience, and it can help us take more risks about stress or anxiety. When we fail often enough, we can learn to laugh at ourselves with a positive spirit. And when we fail with grace and love ourselves anyway, as the flawed but uniquely wonderful people that we are, we're actually growing so much in our confidence and the gifts that we can give to the world. So before I sign off on this episode today, I would love to give you some mamas some questions and some ideas that you can keep thinking about this week. What does failure mean to you? What are some examples of failures that you've experienced so far in your life? Like have you failed at a job or maybe an important relationship or maybe in creating a body that you'd really love to be living in? Have you failed at saving money or throwing your hat into the ring to take on an important responsibility? Have you failed at having a crucial conversation that you've known for years you really need to have? By whose standard do you currently decide right now that you've failed? Is it by your own standard or by society's standard or maybe the standard of your partner or your kids or one of your family members like a parent? And what do you make it mean when you're not good at something? 
or if something doesn't come easily or turn out the way that you had planned or hoped? What kinds of thoughts do you have about that? And how do you feel actually inside your own body when you feel like you're failing? Do you have a good, clean, healthy relationship with failure? Or do you feel sick to your stomach and ashamed or humiliated when you think about all your fails? What do you think is your current level of resilience or grit? What do you tend to do or not do when you feel like you're failing? What do you turn to for strength when you feel like you're failing? And how have your top failures changed or guided your life so far? I hope you'll sit with these questions this week and let yourself examine your own relationship with failure. I know it may be painful to think about, but it's worth really looking at. You might be truly surprised by how much you learn about yourself when you dig into this topic. And now I'd love to give you a little bit of homework. So here it is. Pick one thing that you feel genuinely bad at, but which you'd like to be good at, and carve out 30 minutes or an hour to do it on purpose. Or you can even carve out just five minutes if that's all the time you've got. Now allow yourself to do the thing and fail at it with no self-judgment, and then celebrate. Celebrate your fail. Dance, my friends, because it means that you actually tried. Last week, at nearly 47 years old, I took the first swimming lesson that I've had since I was a tiny girl. And the swim instructor who normally works with little children helped me work on breathing in a pattern and adjusting my stroke, and I was absolutely not great at it. (laughs) I choked on the pool water more than once, and other younger swimmers were looking at me sputtering and trying, and clearly the instructor and I have a long path ahead of us. But failing at swimming well in front of the instructor was actually kind of fun once I got out of my own head, and I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I expected to. So I hope that you have a lot of fails this week, but also a lot of fun. And if you get a chance, please reach out on Instagram to let me know what you're working on. And that's what I've got for you this week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing and also sharing it with a friend who you think might connect to what we've been chatting about today. And if you have an extra moment, please consider leaving a five-star review for the Infinite Capacity Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting platform, because the more reviews we get, the more likely it is that this podcast will be heard widely by women around the world just like us, women in midlife who are pushing their boundaries to find out just how much they are capable of. If you'd like to know more about working with me, Andrea Morton, you can visit my website, www.thinkthrivecoaching.com or consider joining our amazing low-cost coaching collective for women, Growth and Grace. You can find details for both of those in my Instagram page, which is at Think to Thrive Coaching. And you can also watch some of my reels there, which are chock full of my many, many fails. I wish you an amazing day. And I look forward to seeing you again soon here at the Infinite Capacity Podcast. Our episodes come out a couple times a month on Tuesdays. I'm looking forward to seeing you next time.